Boker Tov. Uh, today's stop is Hay. We pick up literally at the top of Hay Amadalis. We might as well reread the first line that we read yesterday. The debate was if you um, had a handle saying on Shemini Azeret, if you live in Kutzaret, so Shemini, so Simchas Torah is also Safed Shemini Azeret. And the Gemara had a few options. One is you start, say it on Musaf Shemini Azeret, then you stop saying it, and then you say it on Musaf Simchas Torah. Mar said that's not possible because if you said it on Musaf Shmini Atzeret, you signal that the day was Kodesh Shmini Atzeret. You can't treat the rest of the day not that way by stop saying it. So it said, okay, you say it on Musaf and Mincha, and then you'll stop saying it Marvus and Chesora, um, and um, at least that way the whole day ends by being uh, treated as Shmini Atzeret, and then you you do a reboot. Um, and uh, you start on some as if you hadn't been saying it before. Um, and Rava says, Rava rejects all of this and top of Hamadalif. Rava marks, Once you began saying there's no sense in stopping it again and restarting it on Simchat Torah. Not only there's no sense, but it's like, it's, uh, you know, contradictory. You've already signaled that it's the beginning of the time of rain, um, and therefore you continue saying it. And Seb Miller said, Rav once you start, you don't stop. And even Rav reversed himself. Rav, who said the... Um, the very strange position that you say it on Musaf of Shemini Atzeret and then you stop saying it until Musaf of Simchas Torah. The Amar of Chanan and Amar Rav Mona Esrim Bechad Yom Kiderach Shemona Asar Yamim Yerushalayim Vad Yom Kippurim. You count twenty-one days the same way you count ten, ten days from Yerushalayim to Yom Kippur. What that means exactly, I'll get back to why you need the comparison. But you count twenty-one days. Twenty-one days will get you to Shvi Shel Sukkot. And then you begin saying the day after, day 22. And here's where Rav reversed himself. Once you begin saying, you do not interrupt it. You don't do a reboot for Simchas Torah. Once you begin, you do not stop. Now, what does this line mean? Like you count 10 days from Hashanah to Giver. Actually, just say, well, you know, it's just telling you how to count, you know, count the number of days. But the problem, of course, is is that it's the opposite. From Hashanah to Yom Kippur, there is not 10 days from Hashanah to Yom Kippur unless you include the end points. Whereas here, he's saying count 21 days and then start saying on the following day. So it's actually not similar to the idea of 10 days of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, right? Because that's counting the end points and here it's not counting the end points. So Raji suggests what it means is is that we're dealing at a time where you, there still um, was Kiddush HaChodesh um, and therefore, um, potentially, you, it, it's possible you don't know which day is the real Rosh Hashanah, right? If it's two days Rosh Hashanah, is the real first day Rosh Hashanah number one, or is the real day number two? So what Rav is saying is, well, go back and figure out ten days prior to Yom Kippur. Because by the time you did Yom Kippur, you, you hopefully knew all, at that stage what the real Rosh Hashanah was. And therefore, if you, the, the same starting point you had to count ten days to Yom Kippur, that'll be the same starting point to count twenty-one days days to get you to, you know, Shmini Atzeret. Well, or whatever. Or the same way you would count 10 days from Rosh Hashanah. Whichever you'd use as your Rosh Hashanah to count 10 days to Yom Kippur, that's the Rosh Hashanah. Again, it's a very funny why you need that whole comparison, what the whole point of all of that is. So let me suggest, though, something about the idea of counting 21 days and why that's mentioned. Because I think, again, what comes up in this discussion, it's very bizarre, the idea of, you know, um, uh, 
well, we, we made it Shemini Yatzeret, but Simchas Torah is a suffix Shemini Yatzeret, so we have to somehow restart it on Simchas Torah. Presumably, the reason you're saying Machiav Aruch Geshem is because it's the time of rain. And once you are, have avoided the problem of raining in your sukkah, which you do by waiting till the middle of the day of Shemini Yatzeret, you start saying Machiav Aruch because it's the time of rain and there's no problem of Simen Klala. That's presumably the reason. It's meaning it has nothing to do with Shemini Yatzeret per se. It has to do with the fact that now is the rainy season and you're no longer bothered, you know, sukkah is no longer an interruption. So who cares if Simchas Torah is a suffix Shemini Yatzeret? Once it's the rainy season and you no longer are sitting in your sukkah, you start saying, end of story. And the fact that, is, is that clear? Sort of like, you know, you said, oh, Zion Marcheshva, and we start saying, you know, Tain Talamata, but based on Sveik of the Yoma, you know, it's like, what? It's like, you know, it's about the date being the appropriate date, the calendar date. And I think the fact that the Gemara was grappling over that and thought that you would restart on some Torah again shows this idea of wanting to link this to a Yantav. You know, wanting to actually, not, you know, have it, and if you think again about the whole comparison about the Lulav and the Arava, you know, that was Rabbi Eliezer's argument that you started at the beginning of Sukkot, but now that we actually are doing it, you know, both, we sort of, we begin it on, on Sukkot, we end it on Pesach, and we do the shift, you know, both on Sukkot and Pesach, there seems to be an idea to link it actually to the Yom Tov. You know, Yom Tov is also the days that the Gemara said in Rosh Hashanah is B'chad Nidonim Alamayim, and Sukkot, and, and uh, Pesach where we do the other shift, like Nidonim, Red Alatvua. So somehow there's an idea of, I think, connecting this liturgy specifically, you know, to replace maybe the Lulav and the Arava, at least in the Sukkot's case, but somehow to have a connection directly to the Yantav. And we mentioned this as well in terms of why you do it at Musaf, maybe because everybody is there at Musaf, but also because Musaf is the uh, identifying, you know, it is the Shimon Esrei which, which, which embodies the full identity of the Yantav. So I think that, the, I think it's just, I think it's we, it, like fascinating that the Gemara feels that because of the sake of the Yoma, it's possible we should restart the whole thing on Simchas Torah, which really shows that connection to Yantav. That might be the emphasis at the end. So when in the end Rav says, Kivan Shitzel he's not necessarily disagreeing with that idea. He might just be saying, yes, it is connected to the identity of Yantav, but you can't go ahead and start reversing yourself. You have, once you start, you just have to continue. By the fact that when Rav Hanan Alam Rav says a different way of framing it, 21 days, He's completely playing down the idea that it's on Shemini Atzeres. But he doesn't say you say it on Yom Tov HaAchru and Shachag. This is 21 days after Rosh Hashanah. Right? Oh, it happens to be Shemini Atzeres. And I think, what? No, I mean after 21 days. You're right. Now, after 21 days. But the point is, is that he completely has ignored the fact that you start saying it on a, on a Yantif, on a Yantif. No, Shemini but he's Yatzeres. making it to Nidonim Alamayim. He's making the link back to Rosh Hashanah. You're being because it's a Chag of Din. Maybe. Din. Maybe. Maybe. Less important it could be. Din is what's Maybe. Important. It could be. It could be. It's the period of Din. But I also do think that it's fascinating how it downplays the idea that it's Shemini Yatzeres. And that was what really got central to the concern earlier of the Gemara. Well, Simcha Soros, Safek Shemini Whoever said it was about Shemini Atzeres, count 21 days, start saying it afterwards. And it's a very different way of thinking about when you start saying Mashi Faruach. Okay? Well, All right, why let's do you think the phrase is Hitzchil um, Ve'enot Poseg? Why do you need to say Ve'enot Poseg? Hitzchil. No, did. because the suggestions were you were Poseg, that you start again Shemini Torah. You stop saying it, Ma'ariv and Shafis of Simcha Torah. That was the suggestion. All right, so now we continue the next... What? 
Well, it certainly is true. I mean, thank you for mentioning that. Of course, it is true, you know, that Hoshana Rabbah, talking about the Ritzel Yalhamayim, right, the whole emphasis of Arava, and Arava requiring a lot of water, and all of the, you know, Hoshanas and all of that, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot there that's actually explicit about the Mayim, you know, in Hoshana, in the, in the liturgy we've developed about Hoshana Rabbah. And you're right, that's exactly the transition to start saying Mahi Farua. But it, you don't start it on Hoshana Rabbah itself, right? We, we, our practice, certainly our Kinabi practices can say the new Sakhafilah Hoshana Rabbah is for Yom Kippur. Right. Do the Chachamim and the Gemara also link Din to Hoshana Rabbah? No, uh, that's an interesting question about Hoshana Rabbah, and a lot of that gets developed post-Gemara, but um, there's interesting like studies on that, and exactly it's, you know, whether there are hints to that idea even earlier, but let's, let's not get distracted. Okay, next Mishnah. To when do you ask for rain? Now, again, what's interesting is, is that the Mishnah following this is going to say, when do you start asking? And that's going to be the issue of the, sev- you know, the third of Chesh, Mar Cheshvan, the seventh of Mar Cheshvan, and that would of course, in the logical progression. When do you start asking for rain? When do you stop? The fact that it's going out of order probably here has to do with the fact that when we get to the next mission, it talks about start asking for rain. That then begins a arc where it says, okay, you started asking for rain in Marcheshvan, but then there was no rain. So what do you do? So now you have to start fasting. So therefore, it's because we want to transition into the discussion of if there is no rain, the need to start fasting, we reverse the order here and we start, don't ask when do you start, we ask when do you stop. And the next mission is going to say when you start. Okay? So, Admatai Shorli Mephagishamin, till when do you say Tain Talumatar? Rabbi Yehuda Omer, until Pesach is done. Earlier we learned how to reconcile this with our practice and another statement of Rabbi Yehuda, which is until the first day of Pesach. Okay? So, the simplest answer is Two, two versions of Rabbi Yehuda. This says so Pesach is done. The other one will say until, um, you know, for the first day of Pesach. Rabbi Meir Omer, until Nisan is all complete. You, you say it throughout the end of Nisan. God will bring down to you the rain. More is the early rain. Malkosh is the late rain. Barishon in the first month in Nisan. This was in Yoah when there had been drought for three years. And then they were going to, finally God was going to bring the rain. And it said, and it was Nisan. And this would all happen in Nisan. Of course, that was a very uh, unique situation. So, uh, how to learn out from there. But from here, here he learns the idea that rain is appropriate even in, throughout the end of Nisan. So the Gemara says, So he wasn't even bothered with, you know, the Tana here, Rebbe Meir. Okay, you got a Pasuk that shows that it can rain through, through Nisan. But the problem he had was with the, was with the Pasuk. Malkosh is the late rain. That that happens in Nisan, fine. But Yore, Yore is the earlier rain. Since when is early rain in Nisan? In, 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 in Nisan. The early rains come in Marcheshvan. The early rain right from the Pasuk in Shema, Yorel Makosh, Yore comes in Marcheshvan, and the Malkosh, the late rain, come to Nisan. So how, what does the Pasuk mean? This is what Rabbi Yochanan said, 
This was in the time of Yoel. If you look at the side, you see it's a pasuk from Yoel. It says, It's talking about anything, you know, left over by one plague of locusts. Was it was it was eaten by the next plague of locusts? So it was a very obviously, you know, uh, very bad uh, years. And also Shana Already Adar had passed, and there had been no rain for the entire. You know, it's sort of like what this Masechet is dealing with when there's no rain and it keeps on being no rain, and it's already now Nisan. So that happened that year. Yardelahem Riviarishona the Echabinisan. So the first rain that's Rivia, and we'll look at, we'll talk about what what these words mean, Yore, Rivia, etc. You might already pick up that there's certain uh, sort of uh, sexual metaphors going on uh, here. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but there's sexual metaphors going on here. Okay. I mean, I guess I might as well just put on the table. The Gemara's going to be explicit about it. But if you think about it, right, the rain comes down and it penetrates Mother Earth. You know, and then from which grows out, you know, comes life. <laughs> seed, right? Seed, right, seeds grow, exactly. So, yore, right, like your yore achet, yore is to shoot an arrow, right? So, and, and, and riviah, harba'a is a, is a word for, for sex, particularly sex with animals, but anyway, rovea and nirba are words used for, you know, for animals. So, anyway, but those are words for, uh, for sexual intercourse. Anyway, so those are the words that are used here for rain. But yardalehem riviah rishon. Okay, so the first one came the early rain, which normally would be in Marcheshvan came in Nisan. And normally there would be a couple of early rains, as we'll see. But the first one came in, in, in the first of Nisan. So Yoel said to the people, go and plant your seeds. Amrlo, they said to him, if you have a, one measure of, of, of wheat or two measures of barley, what should you do? Should you eat it? Now we're starving. Like, so, you want, what should we do? We should either, you know, eat, if you had this choice, would you eat it and stay alive? Or would you plant it on the hope that it would sprout forth? And how long is it going to take it to sprout forth anyway? Obviously, we have to focus more on our immediate survival. We can't start going ahead and planting. Uh, um, so uh, where are we? Um, oh, yich, uh, uh, okay. Uh, um, I hear your logic, but nevertheless, go and plant. Just trust in me. Go plant. Um, so a miracle occurred. And they found a grain stored in uh, in the uh, in walls and in the like uh, holes of the uh, of the what are the Malim? Antils, right? Antils. Yeah. So now there's an interesting debate between Rabbeinu Hananel and Rashi. Which is the grain they ate and which is the one they planted? <laughs> Rashi says they planted what they had stored up for their own sustenance. Rashi makes it more powerful in terms of their faith. They planted what they had stored up. They took. They they they, they listened to him, and then after they planted it, they found extra grain to eat to survive while they were waiting for the grain to come out. Rabbeinu Hananel says no. First the nays happened, and they found this extra grain, and they planted the extra grain. They held on to, the, to their old grain to keep on eating to, you know, to sustain themselves. So, uh, anyway, but Rashi has it much more of, a, of an act of faith. Okay, Yatsu Vizaru, they went and, um, and they planted. Sheni Vashwishi Ruvi, the second, the third, and the fourth of Nisan. The Yardalhem Ruvi Ashnia, the Chamisha Benisan, and 
the fifth of Nisan, the second rain came down. Presumably you plant after the first rain and then you, uh, and then the second rain is needed to help the crops grow. And by the 16th of Nisan, the grain had grown to the full height. This is like a Midrash the Gemara had earlier, what happened when Manasseh went into Eretz Yisrael. Like it grew the full height in 11 days. So what happened was grain that normally takes six months to grow, grew in 11 days. And the Omer that's normally brought from grain that's six months, was brought from grain that had grown in 11 days. So it was a tremendous miracle. And regarding that generation, it says, So they were planting with tears, not just because of the previous, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, famine, but also because they were, they were giving up what they had stored to sustain themselves. You know, so they were like crying at the need that they were planting it, and who, knew, who, knew, who, who knows what was going to happen. But Berina Yiktsoa, and they harvested it, and rejoicing, in 11 days it all grew. Now, no se mesha chazara. So, what does that mean? Go, you know, go, going and crying. No se mesha chazara. Caring normally it means like the uh, pouch of seeds. So, my haloch yelechu vacho, no se mesha. So, what does that mean? Amar Abiyuda, sure, not only the people, which we've covered in the Pasuk of Hazorin Bedima Rina Yitzoru, but even the ox, Keshu Choresh, Holechu Boche. When it's plowing, it's crying because it's uh, working and it has nothing to uh, sustain itself. And when it returns, it, it eats like little shoots that are coming out from the, uh, from, you know, from the furrow that already on its way back, things are starting to sprout forth. So even for the ox, even immediately on its way back. My nosei alumotav carry his, you know, the sheaves. So zartayim. It was such a miracle, or maybe this is now we're talking about in you know messianic times, which is unclear if we're still looking at back to Yoel times. But anyway, there would be it would be one, you know, one unit would be the uh, the, the the straw. And, uh, you know, one, uh, zeret, zeret is like, you know, the span from the finger to the, uh, from the, from the finger, from the thumb to the, uh, pinky. And two of them, two units would be the actual grain, right? A normal, a normal stalk of grain is like, a, like, you know, like what, 80%, you know, straw and like 20% grain. So here it's saying, no, it's a third straw and two-thirds grain. That would be the miracle. Okay. I'm not sure where they get it from the Pasuk. All right. Now, if you notice, though, this started fine. So that's how the Pasuk that says, more umakosh barishon, that even the more, even the early rain, the Riviyah Rishonah, happened, you know, happened in Nisan. And then also the later rain, the Malkosh. Um, now, um, What does the word Malkosh mean? We, we'll get to it. The Gemara will look at these words later. Okay, I, I gave you a hint towards the significance. Uh, or I told you. Anyway, so, uh, so the, but if you notice, that discussion began with Rav Nachman saying things to Rav, Yitz, to, to Rav Yitzchak. And now we're going to have a whole series of Rav Nachman and Rav Ye- saying things to Rav Yitzchak, and it's really going to get us into an agadic uh, focus. So, Amalei Rav Nachman Rav Yitzchak. Rav Nachman said to Rav Yitzchak, Ma'i d'chsi, what's meant by the verse, Ki kara Hashem l'ra'av, v'gam el ha'aretz sheva shanim, God has called to the famine and it's come to the land for seven years. V'hanaf sheva shanim, ma'yachol, what did they eat for the, for the seven years when there was no rain and there was famine? So, Amalei, Hachi Amar Rabbi Yochanan, this is what Rabbi Yochanan says, um, 
So, um, the first year they ate what was stored up in the house. By the way, if you notice that the earlier when we introduced the whole discussion of from the Pasuk of Yoel, Yoel Makosh, Rav Yitzchak's response also was Hachiyama Rav Yochanan. So it's Rav Nachman saying something to Rav Yitzchak and Rav Yitzchak saying Hachiyama Rav Yochanan. So the first year they ate what was stored in the house. The second year they ate what, would, what sort of grew on its own in the field. Um, you know, there's a famine, but still there's some stuff that's left and still growing from its own, from what nutrients were left. Maybe there's stuff on the trees. You know, right? Sort of like also reminds you of the Psukim by Yosef, right? When they start having the famine and they start having to, you know, eat their animals and then their animals are done and then what's left. So the third year they ate kosher animals. The fourth year they started eating non-kosher animals. The fifth year they started eating like rodents. Um, the sixth year, which is really, you know, evoking the psukin in Yirmiyot about, right, and like an Eicha, like what happens, you know, what happened in the, uh, you know, in the siege of Yerushalayim. So, the seventh year, they even ate their own flesh, the flesh of their arms. To fulfill the verse, each besar zro yochelu. Person will even eat the flesh off of his own arms. So that was cheery. We're going to get better. So now I'm saying Rav Yitzchak. So he's asking him a pasuk, and he's and Rav Yitzchak is answering with uh, with what Rav Yochanan said. So again, the exact same structure. My what's meant by the verse? kadosh. In your midst is the holy. The low avobir, and I won't come into the city. What does that mean? Mishum kadosh because the holy say God's presence is in your midst. Though I will be here, I, God, won't come to the city. What, is it, what does that mean? Amalei, he said to him, Hachiyam Rabbi Yochanan, here's what Rabbi Yochanan says. God said, I won't go into the heavenly city, to the Jerusalem of above, until I go into the Jerusalem below. So, so until, like, there has to first be God's presence in your midst, below of Obeir. Until that happens, I won't enter into the heavenly city. So, me, Ika Yerushalayim Lamala? Is there such a concept of a heavenly Jerusalem? And, yes, Tichsiv, it says, Yerushalayim Habinuyak Ir Shechubrala Yachtav. The built Jerusalem, like the city that has Chubrala come together, joined together, for, joined together. So, what that means, Rashi says, is it means that it's been twinned with the Jerusalem above, uh, below. If you look at Rashi, Four lines on the bottom. Yerushalayim b'nuyak ir shechubra la yachtav. Yerushalayim shomata dei b'nuyak ir shechubra la shehu ki yotze ba chaverta. So the the Jerusalem will be built like the city that it is twin to, and that that it is you know that it is identical to, which is the one of the heavenly Jerusalem above. Of course, this is a very powerful idea in Kabbalistic you know. Um, um, thought uh, about this idea of a, of a Jerusalem below corresponding to a, to a Jerusalem be- uh, above corresponding to a Jerusalem below. I mean, you even have it going back to the whole Sulam of Yaakov, you know, and Shar HaShemayim, and so some sense of if you think that that happened not just in Beit El, but also somehow on Harabayas in Yerushalayim, you know, then you have a link, then, you know, you have that, uh, you have that idea over there. It's a huge, yes. interesting concept. It's early church one, this idea. Right? Well, it's what? It's a huge early Christian thing. Yeah. Really? In what, what, what way? That the, ideal, that the ideal of God's kingdom on earth is the reflection of God's kingdom in heaven. And, uh, 
Do we know that it started? Do we know that it started from the Christians? And it no, no, I, I don't know. I'm just, when is very often, Rabbi Yochanan is first generation Amoraim in Eretz Yisrael. So it's like early, early third century. So this was all I know is that this was a concept that was appropriated and highly developed by Sagan. Uh huh. Uh huh. Interesting. A century. Right. He wrote. What was the? He wrote a book on it, right? What was it called? City of God. City of God. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So the Yeah. about the seven years also evokes right that you know that whole yeah, yeah. the Sarbanaham is also yeah. right. Worse and worse. Yes, exactly, exactly. And those psukim of the Tokha as well, exactly do mention this the eating of the flesh of one's own children. Not of themselves. Okay. But not of themselves. It didn't get that drastic. Okay. So that's the that introduces this idea of Yerushalayim Shamala, which is a very powerful idea, and as Joe pointed out, also finds its parallel in Christian thought. Um, okay, said to what's meant by the verse So as one, they will be destroyed and will become foolish. The uh, you know the musar uh, the, uh, the the chastisement of of of, of emptiness. It is it is like a, it is like a uh, it is you know it is a it, it is a stick or it is wood. So anyway, I had no idea what that pasuk meant. So I looked it up in my JPS translation, and it gave me one of those notes. Meaning of Hebrew uncertain. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what the Gemara does with this. So I'm away. How can I, what does this pasuk mean? Like and the other things, yeah, like questions about it. Well, you know, I understand, but the other ones who had specific questions. How could you have Yore in Nissan? Right? How could it? Be, what do they eat? During the seven years, how what does this mean that, that that there won't be God's you know God won't come to the city until you know what city what, until until like the kadosh is in our midst? What does that all that mean? Here you know like there's a specific question here. He just didn't understand the pasuk at all. You know what does it mean? So Amalei, so Hachi Amar Rabbi Yochanan. This is what Rabbi Yochanan says. Achati shemivaeret reshaim begehenom. There's one sin that co- that destroys the wicked in Gehenna. Like there's one sin that's worse than all of them. Achayivaru. So my he, what is that? Avodah It's uh, idolatry. Ksivach musar havalim eitzu. So there you get the idea of, you know, it's, it's nonsense. It's hevel and it's eitzu. It's like, a, you, know, you know, it's a stick, you know, play, you know to, to yeah, bowing down to, you know, to, right, to, to sticks and stones, to yun images. So ksivach and it says over there, hevel heima ma'asei ta'atuim. Right? It is nonsense. It, you know, it, 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 is, it, it is vapor. It is meaningless. It is the acts of foolishness. So, and that's clearly referring to Avodah Zarah. So that sin of Avodah Zarah causes all the wicked to be destroyed. The Amalei Rav Nachman of Yitzchak and Rav Nachman also said to Rav Yitzchak my Dechsim and now this is going to be continuing on this uh, theme here what's meant by the verse Kishtayim Ra'ot Asa Ami my nation did two evils to me. What are the two evils? So, so uh, and he said even more than that. Tarkin Hudahavian. What? Only two bad things we did? Esin They abandoned all 24. Now, what does that mean, 24? So Rashi first says this Psukim in Yechezkel that lists 24 sins, or it means the 24th Svarm of Tanakh. Some have the gears of 22 and try to figure out what 22 it's referring to. But basically, they did a lot worse than just two bad things. So, what do you mean, these two bad things the people did? So Amalei, Hachi Amar Yochanan, this is what Yochanan says, Achas Shehi Kishtai, No, there's one thing that counts as two. So, it's not the only bad thing, but there's one sin that really is two sins. 
Deceive and it's idolatry. And it says, and here it is in the puzzle. I mean, just quote the whole puzzle, it's clear what it's talking about. Two evils my nation has done. They abandoned me, the well of living water, the source of life. To go and dig for themselves, you know, uh, um, other wells that uh, that don't have any water for them. So, a the first evil is they abandoned me, and the second evil is that they abandoned me for instance, something that wasn't even worth it, you know, and it was for these uh, for for, uh, for these uh, for these other gods that had no, no value to them. Okay, now the Xiv Bahu, and if you take a look, it says by them, by the other nations, so from the uh, from the islands of the Kitiim, they have sent, you know, they passed by, and Kedar has sent messengers, and they have, you know, to, to see what has happened to the nation that they've been destroyed, and they were, and and and, and they sort of were astounded, and they said, Hahemir Goy Elohim, Elo Elohim, the Ami Hahemir Kvodo. I'm sorry, God says, Ami Hahemir Kvodo Below Yoel. These nations, has it ever happened that a nation has, you know, replaced its God? And, uh, you know, even these nations, they never gave up their gods, and they aren't even real gods. They ain't alone, Elohim. And my nation, you know, replaced my kvodo, but it's like kvodi. They replaced me and my honor for something that is worthless. So even the people who had worthless gods never traded them in, and you have abandoned me and traded me in for a worthless god. So loyalty is more important than truth. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, in other words, what upsets God here more than belief in something false is uh, adulterating or abandoning the relationship. It's loyalty. Well, but there's two points. One is abandoning the relationship, and the other is like, you know, well, I mean, I, let's finish reading this, okay? So it says like this. So it says, Tana, Kutim Ovrim Ovdim Laesh, the Kutim worship the fire, Vikadraim, I know, Vikadirim Ovdim Lamayim, and the Kadirim worshiped water. The Apobisha Yodim Shamayim Machabim at even though the fire worshippers understood that water extinguishes fire, so they could have logically said, should water the God of water rather than the God of fire? He's the more powerful God. Lohim Yur Loam, they did not replace their gods for other gods. The Ami Hemir Kvodi or Kvodo below Yo'io. So, and my nation has, you know, has exchanged me for something that is worthless. So that's a double sin. The double sin is it's abandoning me. So that's the sort of loyalty issue. But it's then, you know, if, at least if you we could understand why you did it, you know, that might have made some sense. It still would have been terrible. But at least it could have, you know, could have understood it. But then they exchanged it for something that was completely worthless. And that was the second evil. Now, it is interesting, by the way, that uh, there see these things seem to come a little bit in pairs, I think. Right? Because the first two questions were about famine, were about these psukim, or, you know, you know about Yorel Makosh Barishon, which is at the heels of the famine, and then it's the ish question about the uh, Ra'av Sheva Shanim. So those two are, you know, obviously related. And then this next one was Bikir B'cha Kadosh, uh, well, maybe that wasn't um, that wasn't actually connected to anything. But then the next two are vo- about a vodazara, right? Bachat Ivaru was about a vodazara, and then this one also is about a vodazara. Okay. Anyway, so now the Gemara continues. Again, Rav Nachman asking Rav Yitzchak about psukim. My dechsev, what's meant by the verse? Vayhi kasher zaken Shmuel, and it was when Shmuel grew old. Did Shmuel really grow so old? He was only 52 years when he died. 
somebody dies at 52 years old so that's the same age as Shmuel Haramati that's in a, another Gemara where it speaks about you know whether uh, what's sort of uh, the um, significant symbolic or not even symbolic like you know the whole Gemara is trying to figure out what is a Misa of Kares what is a Misa you know how, what these Misas what different deaths at different ages sort of signify about, uh, about a person and a person's deeds so anyway at 52 years that's the age of Shmuel Tosos figures it, it tries to figure it out based on the Psukim. But he was only 52, so it wasn't like he got so old. So the Gemara says, Amalei, Hachiyam Reb Yochanan, again a response in the name of Reb Yochanan, Zikna Kafsa'alav. You know, old age jumped upon him. He grew, you know, he had all the appearances of old age before his time. Now why was that? Because the verse says, I have, uh, you know, I, um, I regret that I have made Shaul the king. This is obviously, this is after the whole story with um, Amalek and him not carrying out God's command. So Amalek, so Shaul said to God, I mean Shmuel said to God, Master of the universe, you have weighed me equivalent to Moshe and Aaron. Moshe Shmo. So I'm, you know, Moshe and Aaron, and then parallel to that is Shmuel. So Ma Moshe Aaron The same way Moshe and Aaron, what they had created, wasn't negated in their lives. Rashi says this is referring to Yehoshua as sort of the next you know, heir apparent, that Moshe and Aaron died and Yoshua, who they who had been designated, took over and it didn't like come to uh you know, come to come to naught. Um, even I what I've created by my hands quite fascinating the idea of right? what I've fashioned by my hands uh, but okay he did anoint Shaul as the king so you know he does have that sense of, um, of like the you know designating um, so let what I have created Shaul as king let it not you know end in my life let me first die before Shaul loses his kingship so Amar Kadesh Baruch so God said okay hey Chiyavid how should I what should I do now Lameless show should I should Shaul die? So which is what I want to do. I want to kill Shaul because uh, of this sin. So Loka Shavik Shmuel. Shmuel won't let me. <laughs> I like the idea. Loka Shavik, he won't allow me. By the way, there's other thing talking about the comparison to Moshe. Of course this evokes, you know, how Moshe would pray to God, right? That God wants to wipe out the people, you know, and Moshe here would say, not Ma say you die, but Moshe would sort of say, Well God, you know, what is everybody else gonna say? There's people you took out of Egypt and you you know, you slaughtered them in the wilderness. What will how will that reflect on you? But it does have this idea of interceding on behalf of, you know, to stop God from carrying out his uh, his vow or his you know, his his will to uh, to punish the people that deserve punishment. So I can't go ahead and kill Shmuel. Shaul. Shmuel won't let me. Lame um, Shmuel. Let Shmuel die first. Adizuter, because he's still young, people will like uh, gossip about him and they'll say, oh, why did Shmuel die so young? It must be he wasn't such a tzaddik. He wouldn't have died at such a young age. Lowly must show, the lowly must Shmuel, just leave it. Let Shaul live and let Shmuel live. 
No, it's time for David to take over. And, you know, one kingship cannot, doesn't touch the other, even by a hair breath. So when it's time for the David's time to come, Shaul's time has to be over. Can't sort of let those two be uh, competing. Although, of course, a lot of the story of David was about <laughs> Shaul anticipating what was going to happen and all of the jealousy. But nevertheless, when it actually is time for David, Shaul's period has to be completely over. So I have to, and I can't postpone David's time is also presumably the idea. There's a fixed time when it's time for David to be king. So what am I going to do? So Amar Gadosh Baruch Hu Zikna. Let me let me sort of jump upon him. Have to make a transitive word out of jump. Anyway, to to, to place upon him uh, old age. So that's what the Pasuk says. Shaul was sitting in the valley. Under the Asha, like the orchard in Ramah. So there's a problem. Ramah is a high place. Giva is a valley. The Kimayin and Giva, it's a Ramah. To tell you, what allowed Shaul to continue dwelling in Giva that he didn't die right after the sin of Amalek for two and a half years? It was the prayer of Shmuel. So it's was Yosef Begiva Birama through the agency of Shmuel from Haramati. Okay, so that explains that pasuk about um, about uh, why he was 52 years old, and it says he was very old. Now the Gemara has a question. But how does that explain the zikna from the giva and the ramah? No, it just does. No, that's not the zikna, but it sort of it shows this idea that it was due to Shmu, due to uh, Shmuel's intervention. He was Yoshev begiva birama through the agency okay. of the one from Ramah, through the agency of Shmuel Haramati. Um, Okay, so now the Gemara says, Umi Okay, right. Umi Gavra is one push it, person pushed away for another person. Now, who's being pushed away for whom? So, um, so Rashi says that um, Shmuel, God basically had to hurry everything up, you know, once Shmuel interceded because it was time for David to be king. So, in the end, what happened was Shmuel had to die so Shaul could die so David could be king. So are you going to go ahead and push aside one person, Shmuel, for the benefit of David? So, in, yes. Now, of course, Kudval said, look, it's part of the bigger divine plan that there's a time for David to be king. But the way it's framing it here, it's like, it's not fair for David. It's David's time. So, so, that, that, so it's making it, well, so what? So you're giving up one person for another person. Why is that appropriate? It's not fair for Shmuel. Those two things are linked. That's like I should play call out the last time Mishpat. Now, you've got a larger divine plan. Right. The Melech has to become king. Can the ends really justify the means? Yes, that you could have asked that, but the Gemara is particularly framing it not like would you push aside a person just because this is part of the divine plan. There, the answer is easier. The Gemara is framing it as min mitchi gavra mikmi gavra. So it's about David. It's David's time. It's not fair that David should have to wait. Okay, but it's not fair that Shmuel should have to die early, right? So if that's what it's about. It's about being fair to David. So you can't. How do you exchange? I got to be fair to David for not being fair to Shmuel. That's the way the Gemara is framing it, not in some divine plan way. So let's take a look what the answer is. In yes, the Amar of Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Amar Rabbi Yonasan, my dechiv. What's meant by the verse? Alkein chatsafti b'neviim haraktim b'im reiti. Therefore, I have hewn down the prophets. I have killed them with the words of my mouth. It doesn't say that they died through their deeds, like it was their time to die, necessarily. Ella my edict. 
So, even if it wasn't their time, sometimes God will de- decree. One person will be pushed away for another, which is a very unsatisfying answer. Okay, so you said it based on a pasuk. But if you really frame it that way, right, the, 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 the power of the question doesn't go away, right? If it's really about how can you, you know, yes, sometimes God decrees one person has to die, so it could be time for another person. Again, if it's about the divine plan has to play out, it makes more sense. But if it's about being fair to David, which seems to be how it was framing the question, then it really hasn't answered the question. Why is that? Yeah. Yes, but he, he right. So, so this will be the consequence of me keeping to your, you know, right to, to what you said. It's not right. It's right. right. Yeah, I, yeah. It's true. I mean, God could have allowed, as the Gemara said, Shmuel, God to listen to Shmuel and let Shmuel live a natural life. But you know, but it is true that Shmuel is right. You can't say it's not fair. Well, right. <laughs> the Gemara is sort of, you know, that's sort of the. It's fascinating that that's the power of the Gemara. Like, I can't kill Shmuel because Shmuel won't let me like you know it's like that image I love the ish image that, Ra- that Rashi quotes in the Pusuk by um, by um, where is it um, um, wh- wh- what's the Pusuk the Pusuk is the Ataha Nikhali you know now like you know like like leave me and let me you know and, and, and I will you know I will wipe out this person so Rashi says like what is he like like holding him by his shirt and not letting him but you know I think that that's sometimes how you know Chazal imagined the power of the tefillah of the tzaddik is like won't let God like like let me but, but so yes I think it's powerful that it didn't say God was going to override but I think your other point is correct I mean what do you mean it's how can we you know how can we do it to David it's not being fair to Shmuel I mean Shmuel basically brought this upon himself so it's, yes, it is. You know, that's the right choice. Yeah, it's a very good point. I don't know why the Gemara does not introduce that. All right. So the Gemara says like this. Um, so this is this was a long, you know, you know, discussion. Not all from Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak, but that the Gemara continued. But it started with this Rav Nachman Rav Yitzchak discussion as well about why did Shmuel why why did it say that Shmuel was so old? So now the Gemara says. Um, where were we? Um, okay. Rav Yitzchak Yossi So then, now they were sitting at a meal. So I'm going to Yitzchak. Marmilsa. So Rav Nachman said to Rav Yitzchak, maybe for once he didn't have a question. He didn't have a pasuk to ask him. So he said, hey, could you say it's for Torah? So I'm So he said to him, So Hachi Amar Rav Yochanan. This is what Rav Yochanan says. You're not allowed to talk during a meal. <laughs> Great answer. Okay. Shema Yaktin Kanalaveshet. Lest the... Uh, Right. So lest the uh, esophag- uh, the uh, trachea go in front of the esophagus, meaning lest the food go down the, the trachea rather than the esophagus. So you'll, you'll be talking, so the cover of your windpipe will be open, and the food will go down your trachea, and therefore you don't talk during a meal. Now, the interesting thing I need to say here is that Rashi says it doesn't mean, like, we'll come, you know, sort of like... Uh, physically come in front of you know will be it just means that it will go down first to the trachea rather than the esophagus because your windpipe is open that's important because you know in the Gemara Pesachim about why you have to do Heseba why you have to lean on the left it says because if you lean on the right Yaktin Kana Leveshet which leads a lot of Rishonim to think that the Kana and the Veshet are like side by side left and right 
So if you lean to the so if you lean to the right, it's going to go down the trachea, and they think that the trachea is on the right, and that that's the problem. Why does that matter? It matters because of the question of which direction a lefty leans. So if you actually think that, that's very important to me. So if, you actually, so if you actually think that it's right and left, and the problem is that it physically gets to the there first, then even the lefty has to lean on the right. So I don't lean on the right. You ever try to, um, I mean, even a lefty has to lean, excuse me, even a lefty has to lean on the left, excuse me, even a lefty has to lean on the left, but of course that would be very hard, you know, the hand you're feeding yourself with. So I go by the Rishon that says that Yachtin Kanalaveshis does not mean they're side by side. It means if you're leaning on your, the, the side that you're using that hand, it's very awkward to be eating with the hand that, you know, on the side you're leaning from, so the food will go down the wrong pipe. It's just a way of saying the food will go down the wrong pipe. So that's true for a lefty. A lefty has to lean on the right. The righty leans on the left. That's what I do. But as actually, halacha, it's generally passed that even a lefty leans on the left because of this understanding about the geographical location of the, uh, of, of the Khan and the Veshek. Yes? Thanks, has uh, accurate uh, anatomical and physiological diagram. About how that will happen, that the food will go down the wrong direction. Yeah, you know? but, and, and it's not left and right. Uh, right. Anyway, you wonder how he said that to him. Like, you know, uh, how, how did he even respond that you can't talk in the meal? He was talking in the meal to respond, but okay. Um, this has happened to me once, that somebody said something to me, like, in the bathroom, and I had to say, like, oh, you're not supposed to talk to her in the bathroom. <laughs> like, exactly how you figure that one out. Anyway, okay. So the Gemara says, the avoli de sakana. So anyway, you don't want the food to go down the trachea, and it'll lead to danger. Baser de after they ate, Amalai, then he said, now let's talk Torah. This is what Yav Yochanan said, Yaakov Avinu Lomes. Yaakov, our father, never died. Okay? Amalai, so I guess they were already talking about, about endangering your life. Maybe that's, he picked up on that topic. Amalai, so Rav Yitzchak said back, so finally we got a little response. Until, until now, there has not been much of a response. I mean, Rav Nachman said back. Rav Nachman hasn't really responded. So Amalai, so Rav Nachman said back, the Chibichdi, Saftu Saftanaya, the Chantu Chantaya? Was it for naught that the eulogizers eulogized and the embalmers embalmed? The Karu Kivraya and the buriers buried? So Amalei, he said back to him, Mikrani Doresh, look, I'm getting it from Pasuk. You're the one who's always quoting Psukim to me. I'm getting this from Pasuk. Or Rabbi Yochanan saying just, he says, I need Doresh, but he's saying in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Anyway, Shanaymar, as the verse says, the Ata al Tirav di Yaakov, do not fear my servant Jacob, Nu'um Hashem, Al Techat Yisrael, do not tremble Israel, Ki Hinimosh Yacham me Rachok, the Etzaracha me Eretz Chivyam. I will save you, presumably Yaakov, from a faraway land and the sea and your children from the land of their captivity. So Makish, who is our own? God is linking Yaakov to, to Yaakov's descendants. Mazaro b'chaim, the same way the, 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 the children are in are alive, they're in captivity, but they're alive. Avu b'chaim, he's alive. And God was, so Rashi says, God will save first Yaakov and then bring him to see in the redemption of his children. So that's, I will save you, and then I will save your children. But you are like your children, they are alive, you are alive. Now Tosos points out, if you take a look, that this really is based on a response to a to a pasuk that's in, that's in the Torah by Yaakov's death. If you take a look at Tosus, Yaakov Avinu Lomais, he says, V'chein mashma d'chsiv v'yigva, v'loksiv v'yamot. Right? By all of the people it says v'yigva v'yamot, he expired and he died. And it doesn't say it by Yaakov. So it's really pointing out an anomaly in the pasuk. So what does this mean that Yaakov did not die? And what does this mean? But didn't they embalm him? 
So Rashi makes it sound like like he's treating Gemara very literally. Like he says, yeah, they thought they were embalming him, but it really wasn't working. And he basically was still alive. So, which is a little creepy. But anyway, <laughs> the Marsha translates this as, um, you know, means, he says, we're talking not about the life of the body, we're talking about the life of the soul. So then the Marsha says, but then why is this unique to Yaakov? Right? I mean, the Gemara says always, you know, tzaddikim, afilu b'nitotam, kurim chayim, you know, the soul lives on forever. So the Marsha says, well, maybe what's bothering, it's interesting, is maybe what's bothering the Gemara is the idea that Yaakov was buried in Chutzlaret. You know, and the Gemara sort of says that, you know, the only people that will sort of be resurrected are those that are buried in Eretz Yisrael, and everybody else has to, somehow their bodies have to roll to Eretz Yisrael before they're resurrected. So maybe that's what's bothering, as opposed to Avam and Yitzchak that were buried in Eretz Yisrael, that's what's bothering the Gemara. And therefore, you know, the Gemara has to underscore that Afu Bechayim. But I think the, whatever that works in terms of that, I think the more powerful point is, and this also might be the idea of Zaro, you know, because Avram and Yitzchak both had descendants that were not part of B'nai Yisrael. Whereas by Yaakov, you know, you don't know sometimes, but I mean, just think, the name is Yisrael, right? The, uh, the whole name of the nation is the name of Yaakov. So Zaro Bechayim, Afu Bechayim, you know, is making a very powerful statement about the idea about what, you know, sort of like what you create and your descendants, they live after you, and that's the way that in which, you know, you gain eternal life. You remain alive. So in a way, even more powerfully than Avram and Yitzchak, you know, Yaakov's children, even in the Pasuk, right? Avi Yaakov, Al Pechat Yisrael. Yisrael is another name of Yaakov. So Mazdao Bechaim Afu Bechaim. Which of course reminds me of the Woody Allen line where Woody Allen said, I don't want to gain immortality through my work. I want to gain immortality through not dying. So, <laughs> so, so here though, you know, this is actually a very, a very uh, lovely Gemara to quote also at a, uh, you know, when appropriate to use as a, in a eulogy, you know, because the idea about how the descendants and the children carry on the memory and carry on the teachings of the one who has passed away and as long as Zaro Bechayim Afu Bechayim alright so now the Gemara continues Amar um, Yitzchak now we just have a straight Amar Yitzchak without Rav Nachman first prompting him Kol Omer, but we'll see there still will be a part of a discussion with Rav Nachman maybe this was in the same after the meal discussion Kol Omer Rachav Rachav Miyad Yikri anybody who says the word Rachav twice you know Rachav was the uh, prostitute from the whole story of by Yehoshua so what yeah automatically beca- you know he becomes a Balkari has a seminal omission because it's just so much uh, it, it, you know erotic imagination so Amar Lei Rav Nachman Rav Nachman said to him hey I tried it it didn't work <laughs> you know, but anyway I said it and it didn't make a difference so what was I talking about if, you, if it actually evoked a memory somebody who knew her and recognized her Tosos goes even further to say even means had sex with her so if it evokes a real memory then that's what it leads to not, just, not a magic of saying the name Okay, now ki havi mystery me'adadi, now the wrap-up. So they were finally departing from one another. Amalei, he said to him, Livarchan mar, let the master give me a bracha. Now it's not clear who said to whom. One imagines that since Rav Nachman is the one always asking the question, Rav Yitzchak is the one always giving the answer, so Rav Nachman is, is saying to Rav Yitzchak, give me a bracha. Uh, you know? Is one older? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know exactly. Here. Clearly, Rav Yitzchak is the more, you know, senior, senior whether it's senior in years or in wisdom but seems to be the one that's more teaching Rav Nachman so Rav Nachman said let the master give me a blessing he said to him very famous um, mashal in the Gemara let me give you a let me give you a mashal let me give you a 
what's a mashal? How do you translate mashal? Terrible. Terrible. Thank you. L'mazavar domeh. What is this like? L'adam shayaholich b'mibar v'hayaraev v'ayef v'tamei. A person was going in the wilderness and he was hungry and weary and thirsty. Umasa ilan and he found a tree. Sheperosav mitukim. The fruit was sweet. Tzilo naeh. The shade was beautiful. The amatamai mover tachtav and a brook of water was passing by under it. Achalmi peyotav. He ate from the fruit. Shatami meimav and he drank from the water. Yashavatilo and he dwelt under the shade. When he wanted to leave, Amar, he said, Ilan, Ilan, tree, tree, what should I bless you? If I were to give you a blessing that your fruit should be sweet, they're already sweet. That your shade, shade should be pleasant. Your shade is pleasant. You should have a brook of water passing by you. You are already blessed with this. Ella rather he rubs on Shikomitios Shinotimcha, all future saplings that are planted from you, you Kamotcha, will be just as blessed and will, you know, be live up to, you know, to exactly how you are blessed. Be able be, be blessed just as well. Afata, so even you, says Rav Nachman to Rav Yitzchak to Rav Nachman. Now this is quite fascinating because clearly Rav Yitzchak is the one that had all the Torah. Like he was the one that had all the creative answers, right? Rav Nachman was the one asking the questions. But nevertheless, he said, right? Good questions are also very important. And he said, How shall I bless you? In the Torah, hare Torah. In the Osher, hare Osher. In the Banim, hare Banim. You're already blessed with Torah, with wealth, with children. Elohi Ratsa may be God's will, Now this is very funny because it says, Let the let the descendants of your womb be like you. <laughs> so, you know, again gets to the whole sort of the men talking about, you know, thinking about the children as uh, you know, sort of the woman is not exactly or they taking over the woman's functions. But anyway, um, but he says all of your children should be should be just as blessed as you are. So we'll end with that today. Okay.